This is episode 12 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. Welcome back to the Inner Game of Aging podcast. This is episode number 12. You know, how we feel about aging has a large cultural component to it. We learn about aging from the societies we grow up in. The thoughts and belief that we have about aging is just one of the many factors that control how we age. For today's episode, I chat with a younger man to explore both of our thoughts on various aspects of aging. That younger man is Ed Lazary, someone you may remember from a few episodes back when he interviewed me to capture some of my thinking. Today, I interview him trying to determine how the younger generation feels about aging. There were a few surprises for me in this conversation, not just what Ed is saying, but also in my own responses and thinking. See if you can pick up these surprises as you listen. But before we begin, allow me to give you my usual reminders. Your comments, feedbacks, and reviews are important to establish this podcast as a medium for the message of growing older without growing old. If you have come to understand the importance of this message for yourself and others, then share this with others on your social networks. Get involved with your comments and reviews. Now, each episode of this podcast has an associated show notes page on the website. The URL for the show notes page for this particular episode is innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA12. I'm sure you can see the pattern in the show notes URLs. Innergameofaging.com is the home site for these podcasts. Just follow that with a forward slash and IGA and episode number. Of course, the IGA means Inner Game of Aging. The show notes pages extend the information contained in these conversations with additional links and other resources. In addition to leaving comments for each episode, you can also find giveaways and other freebies on these pages as well, so please explore them. They are there for you as an extension of this podcast. And now, on to our discussion. So, today I'm talking to my friend, Ed Lazary. Now, I've known Ed for a little a little while now, just a few months. How old are you, Ed? I am old enough to know better. Uh, <laughs> you, you and I debate that. <laughs> I, am, uh, I am nearing my 40th birthday here coming up in January. Oh, geez. Now, today, Ed, you know, 
I've known you for a little while, a few months now. You and I have spoken a lot about this aging thing. So I have been able to influence your thinking. But today, I want you to put aside all the influence that you have in considering aging as my friend. I would like you to speak for your generation. I would like you to put on the hat of others you see around you that have not been, yeah, contaminated with my thinking. <laughs> so, um, and so I want you to represent the culture that you see around you in our discussion today. Well, I mean, I'll give it my, I'll give it my best. Now, I think it's difficult for any single person to try to wear the hat of an entire demographic or generation of people, right? Of course, of course. Uh, um, but, you know, I've, I can speak on my experiences and, uh, you know, I can do my best to try not to throw as many biases out there as I can, but we'll see. Okay. Now, I have to tell my listeners that um, I have appeared on Ed's podcast. Ed is the host of Change Your POV, and you will hear the influence of this friendship as we talk. I'm trying to get that influence out because I would like to hear Ed's thinking without my influence. So let's begin if we can. I'm not sure where we should start off our examination of your <laughs> of your age thinking, but you've often heard me say that um, aging is both a biological and a cultural process. Is this a new thing for you to divide aging into this sort of biological, cultural venues? Is that a new concept for you? Um, no, not really, because it really, it comes to state of mind, right? I mean, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, um, at the top of the show, I, I am the host of, uh, change your POV podcast. And really the whole essence of the podcast is in fact changing one's perspective because oftentimes many people, uh, they either grow up with certain biases or a certain way of thinking and then things happen, uh, and they experience, um, you know, whether it be tragedy or mm -hmm. loss or um, something occurs in their life that, that alters their previous forms or their previous way of thinking about things. And, and I think aging is really no different. I think a lot of uh, what people grow up to know and learn about aging uh, it begins at a much, much younger age than yes. than retirement, right? Oh, much, um, much younger. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a friend growing up when I was in elementary school. Uh, he was a young oriental kid, I remember. And uh, we'd go over to his house, and, and I remember it was different because I had to take off my shoes before mm. we before I walked into his house, and and uh, there was a lot of you know Oriental rugs and things like that. But but the one thing that stuck out in my head that I found very intriguing is the fact that he lived with his mom and his dad, his grandmother, his grandfather, and like an aunt or something like that. I mean, it was it was it wasn't a very big home, but there was this very extended family within mm. within underneath the same roof. And that was something that was extremely foreign to me, but it was something very natural and common to him. So I would imagine growing up in an environment like that, um, that that kid, I can't remember his name now, but but I'm sure he grow he grew up and and now as an adult probably has a different uh, perspective of, uh, of what's a youth, what's you know uh, yep. aging, mm -hmm. what's an elder, yep. um, and, and then then say you know me at that age. So I really think that aging and, and the idea of aging is is really relative and very unique uh, uh, to everyone, and it really depends on 
you know, what type of uh, environment that they grew up in. And, you know, I think at 40, my friends and the people that I know around my age, um, some of them are starting to experience um, kind of an extra burden taking care of th- their parents are starting to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to age. Um, and, and in some cases, they, they are starting to become grandparents themselves. Hmm. And, and, and so you start, it, you start mixing multiple generations and, and expanding your, your family that way. And, and it's, uh, I, I think it's, it's a unique thing. I think it's an interesting time in our lives. Um, it, it's just this idea of aging. And, and I, can, I can think back when I was younger. My grandmother and my grandfather were kind of the, the monarchs of the family, Anytime there was <laughs> monarchs, <laughs> yeah. Anytime there was a family gathering or get together, it was always over at their house, and the entire extended family would come over. Uh, and then they eventually both passed, and, and and now a lot of that is transitioned to to my dad. And so now, uh, whenever there's a family reunion or gathering, oftentimes it's 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 held at, at my dad's house. He is now like the monarch of the family, and so interesting. it's it's interesting to see kind of that gavel. Interesting. Of, of uh, you know the, that monarch being passed down from generation to generation, and and now that I'm approaching forty, I can't help but think, you know, how old will I be when, you know, will when I it's be your that, turn? Right? Will <laughs> I be that monarch in the family? I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but you yep. know, it's just something, something to you know think about. Now, you you mentioned the multi generational aspect of your friend as you were younger. You know, those of us who grow up in multi generational environments will almost always think differently of the concept of aging from a wide variety of angles than those who grow up in a single generation household. Um, and there's a lot of research being done on trying to keep the generations um, together rather than trying to single them apart. But I want to go back to something that I um, that I said when I opened the question. The by aging in in for anyone living amongst in a culture, aging is both a biological and a cultural process. You know, for example, aging in India is very different than aging in Japan than aging in America. Um, not just because the body is getting older, but also because of the culture in which that body is is getting older. And my, I have I'm curious. We we know, and you are absolutely correct, Ed, that aging. And the concept of aging is unique to everyone. But I was just wondering if this separation between the biology of aging and the culture of aging is something that we are conscious of or something we experience unconsciously or implicitly. Do you sense the culture of aging as well as the biological process of aging? Or is it just some amorphous aging concept to you? Um, and that's a difficult question. I mean, I, I honestly wholeheartedly believe that, that, uh, the, the, the biology of aging, um, has a lot to do with one's, um, you know, health and environment mm-hmm. and, and environment. Right. Yep. Um, so, you know, if we eat clean and we exercise regularly and, and we live in an environment that's, that's, uh, conducive to, to a, a healthful way of living, then you know those people tend to not suffer for from as many ailments diseases sicknesses and they tend to age 
better and healthier and easier, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, people that have poor health and poor diets and don't exercise, um, you know, oftentimes are you know, you know, stricken with a lot of illness and, and take a lot of medications and, and things like diabetes and high blood pressure and, yep. and the list mm-hmm. of those things go on and on. So I really think that we as human beings, as individuals, do really control a lot of the biology of our aging. Uh, it's within our control. It's with it. Yes. A, lot, a lot of people like to pass off their laziness with uh, things like, oh, well, you know, I'm 650 pounds because it's genetic. No, it's, it's because you're stuffing 16, you know, cheeseburgers in your in your face, right? That's right. Um, but you know, people tend to kind of pass off uh, things like that, to, and, and they and they contribute it to gen, to genetics. And, and, and I, I would most certainly agree with you. But there's another factor that I seem to perceive, and now I'm exploring my own thinking here and talking with you. But it. If I feel poorly about getting old, do you think I would take much care of myself in getting old? In other words, the you've seen that bumper sticker, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. yeah, if I if I have a poor attitude about aging, my tendency to take care of myself to preserve myself to that time could be affected by my poor attitude about aging. If I fear aging, if I ignore aging, if I feel disgusted by my by getting older, my own attitudes and lifestyle choices could be affected by that perception. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, and, and I see it all the time. I work at uh, I work at a place where the the average age of the employee is in their sixties. Um, many of them are nearing re- the retirement age. Many of them. Um, I have already retired this year, and we got more coming. Um, and it's it's amazing to see a lot of the same types of ideas and behaviors around age. And w- what I mean by that is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I go to the gym at lunch, um, and a lot of people will see me at lunchtime, grab my gym bag, and and start to head out. And I've had several people, you know, kind of say, "Oh, where are you going?" I said, "Well, I'm I'm, go- I'm going to the gym. I'm going for a run." Mm-hmm. And uh, and they say, oh, well, I'm I'm too old for that. I'm, I'm oh, not going to, you know, I'm too I'm too old to, you know. It's like, what do you mean you're too old to run? You're like, you know, late fifties, early sixties. You're too old to run. Like really? <laughs> like I didn't get, you know, I didn't get the memo. And 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 and, and, and there's another, you know, other things like, you know, uh, I'm I'm interested in continuing education. I'm I've already got, you know, I've got an MBA, but I I'm a lifetime uh, learner. I'm a student. Yeah. And yeah, I know that of you. And I like to learn new. things things and I like to, to educate myself and you know and, and I ask people, you know, what are you learning? What are you reading? What are you studying? And people are like, oh I'm you know, I I'm too old for that. And Oh geez. Yeah, every time I every time you say that phrase I'm, I can feel a convulsion in my body. Well and that's the <laughs> thing is I, I honestly think people use the concept of age as an excuse not to grow and develop and ah, become yes. better every day, right? That's right. Um and, you know, they're too old to eat right, they're too old to exercise, they're too old the, to learn. What they're, they're saying, to, yeah, what they're what saying they is saying? You tell they're, me. they're saying that they, they're too old to change their ways. That's, in effect, what all of that is. They've been following a pattern, and 
to deviate from that pattern, even if, if it's destructive, they don't want to go through the effort of changing that pattern. Now, truth be told, Ed, there is no pattern in your life, no matter how old you are, that you cannot change. No, you know, I, it, yeah, it, I, I agree with you. So why, why, why blame it on – why make age the bad guy, right? Why not say, oh, I'm too lazy to go run or I'm too lazy to, uh, to learn and to grow. I'm too because lazy it puts to – Because it puts a factor that we don't control. We are bad because of a factor we don't control. Yeah, That's why it's done. You yeah, so yep. do you see – do you see in your environments amongst your circles and inside the environment that you exist in, do you see a general fear of aging? Um, not so much of aging. Um, I do sense a fear of retirement. Uh, for many, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> for, for many reasons. Um, I think the biggest fear uh, when it comes to retirement is, uh, you, know, uh, reti- you know, the retirement um, funds isn't what, you know, it isn't what it used to be. And mm-hmm. uh, many people feel the need to work much longer uh, past the age of retirement. Um, people don't feel financially secure enough to retire. Yeah, so I, I've just recently completed an episode f- for this podcast about retirement, about that very thing. It should be out in a week or two, so give a listen to that when we talk about exactly that. But you're saying this fear of aging is not so much a fear of aging, but a fear of retirement. And this fear of retirement is more has a lot to do with inadequate finances. This is starting to be a big problem throughout the nation. All research is pointing to massive amounts of people not being financially ready for retirement. So it's a reasonable fear. You know? mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if I would include that in the fear of aging. That sounds like something different to me. You know, so what goes through your mind, Ed, when you, let's say you're sitting in a park bench um, eating your lunch and you see older people, let's say an older couple or an old man or woman? Have you ever noticed what goes through your own mind as you're looking at such a scene? Um. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to think when I see old people walking across the street. Um, That's um, actually a very good answer. I mean, yeah, no, I don't, you know, I don't really think one one thing or another. Um, um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's nice to see uh, older couples together. I think mm-hmm. we've lost a sense of um, a sense of marriage culture in our yes. in our country. Um, I think yes. people see marriage as um, and not really as a as a lifelong commitment, but more of uh, something that we do when it feels good today. Um, and <laughs> it, it, uh, my wife and I are are um, going to be celebrating our twentieth wedding anniversary here in November, and and that's a milestone. And mm. you don't see a lot of people, um, you know, twenty years compared to some of the some of these older folks. With 50, 60 years of marriage is a drop in the bucket. But that's right. In my circle of friends um, and people that I know and, and, and acquaintances, I don't know many uh, people that have uh, a twenty-year marriage. So uh, I think I think uh, long. Well, I think one of the reasons why you and I become friends because you're you're ever so slightly different. I'm not yeah, sure why, but yeah, I'm, a, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a different I'm a different character for sure. But yeah. So I, I think that. Um, 
you know, I've got an affinity for uh, uh, older folks, particularly of the uh, World War II uh, generation, Vietnam generation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of my the associations that I have with those of that particular age. Uh, uh, most of them are uh, are veterans, and so that's right. Um, many of them are still married. Many of many of them are not, uh, but. Uh, most of my interactions with uh, of, with the elderly is, is really um, stems from my connection to them as a veteran. For those of you who may not know, Change Your POV, for which Ed is the host, has a very heavy veteran focus. It may be transitioning here and there, but... Yeah, if you listen to Ed's podcast, which I would encourage you to do, you'll see a very heavy veteran focus, which I've learned quite a bit from. Let me move on to um, the stereotypes around us, because I find that they are um, rampant. You know, how do you, how powerful do you think our cultural stereotypes are in forming our opinion about aging? Now, I know you said that aging is unique for everyone, which I most certainly agree with, and that we all have different opinions based on what's inside of us and what's around us, et cetera, et cetera. But... Our stereotypes from culture to culture do play a role. How powerful do you think this role is in forming our opinions about our own aging? Um, I, I think today, more so than, than ever, um, our our culture around age is more prevalent than I think it ever was. And and I think that – Now, that's interesting. I, I think in large part is due to the advent of technology, right? And so – uh, we're all familiar with this crazy thing called Facebook, and now we've got new platforms of social media like Twitter and, and Instagram and Snapchat, um, yep. and, and the list goes on and on. And and it's funny because a lot of uh, these uh, social media platforms are defined by the age of the people that interact mm. or interface with them. And so, for example – um, Facebook, if you are primarily on Facebook or, or use Facebook as the, as your number one platform, um, then you're considered to be in the older generation. Interesting. And, yes, I've and, seen that. And those that are um, in the Instagram uh, world um, are it's much it's a much younger demographic, and then those that are in Snapchat are, are even younger. And so. Um, it's like, um, my daughter has, my daughter's, um, um, 14. And so she has obviously a Facebook and an Instagram and Snapchat mm-hmm. accounts. And, and I, I'll send something to her Facebook and I'll say, Hey, did you, did you see what I posted on your Facebook? And she says, dad, Facebook is for old people. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm like, okay. So in her, in her mind, right? I'm not 40 yet. In her mind, I, I am considered an, an old person. Um, and, and I, I understand because when I was 13, I probably thought 40 year olds were old, old too. Uh, That's interesting. And, I should come back to that one. And then I talked to my mom who is in, she, who is in her sixties and, uh, and she refuses to get a Facebook, uh, account because it's too confusing for her uh-huh. and she doesn't okay. want to have to deal with it. And she says, I got an email. If you want, if you want to send me something, just send me an email. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, and so the reason why I bring that up in terms of, I think, uh, social media and technology today has really, um, progressed the segmentation of, of age. Um, That's 
That's interesting. Now, in addition to technology, for one, I want to agree with you. You know, there's so many new things happening all around us. And when we have our own ways of doing things and sometimes embracing new things as quickly as they come out can be quite a chore when we know how to accomplish the tasks we've already you know, establish ourselves as needing to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yes, I can see where technology would, um, as you put it, increase the segmentation of age. Uh, it's some, it's a, something I had not yet considered. But some of the stereotypes around that that don't have anything to do with um, technology. For example, we know that Alzheimer's is becoming more and more prevalent. Many people say that it's becoming more prevalent because of the changing demographics. We have many more old people. I would disagree with that, but that's not that's for another discussion. You know, I'm looking at um, stereotypes like Alzheimer's is inevitable, or older workers are less productive, or age automatically brings physical and mental problems. Mm. Stereotypes like these, you know, um, memory loss is a natural part of aging, you know, yeah, um, yeah, you know, things of that sort. Yeah. You know. What's your relationship to these kinds of stereotypes? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, some of those are stereotypes, but yet some of them are, are, are reality, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you do have folks that are working in a, in a very, uh, a fast paced technological environment. And, yep. and, and sometimes to your point, uh, they, they don't, uh, or won't, uh, whichever the case, um, mm-hmm. or, or elect not to keep up with, the, with the advent and, and the speed of technology. And so, uh, for people that are, uh, in the workforce, for example, that are, in their late fifties, early sixties, you know, a decade or so uh, from what, from retirement or, or sooner, um, you know, perhaps the motivation to keep up is less. It, it, well, it's I'll speak from, and I know I'm trying to wear the hat of of the person that fits my demographic, but I, yes. I can I can only really honestly speak about my experience personally. Um, mm-hmm. I I have dealt with m- multiple people at several companies now. That um, have come out and, and even told me that they refuse to, you know, learn that program or that software or um, do the, the new things that have been uh, introduced into the company for, you know, like uh, there's a big thing now, like uh, process improvements, lean initiatives, yes. things like yes. that that are that are, are really sweeping, particularly the manufacturing industry. And yep. those things require technology and software and uh, and programs. As you know, as a software engineer, uh, you yep. probably saw a, a large uptick in that type of technology in the workforce. Um, and, and that requires the the employees, regardless of age, to come up to speed with those technologies and with those uh, p- computer programs. And uh, many people just don't want anything to do with it. I had one guy tell me, um, he, he, he refused to use email at work. Uh, wow. you, you could, you could call him on the phone, leave him a message. He'll get right back to you. Uh, you can even walk over to his desk and talk to him, but, uh, it, you, you can send him an email. He'll never re- reply. And, and, you know, like I'm thinking, I'm hearing this story Ed, and I'm thinking his refusal is coming from a place that is stereotypical and that, when I say stereotypical, he has a set way of doing things and he doesn't want to change from that. But 
yes, that may be true. He doesn't want to change from that. But is that coming from being older or is it coming from someplace else? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, okay. I'm thinking that that's coming from someplace else. Now, hear me out here. I'm not sure if I'm on solid ground here. As we get older, we become accustomed to things. And the more comfortable we get the more we want to stay there. You know, they say that your comfort zone is a very dangerous place to be Mm -hmm. for exactly that reason. So those of us who are willing to explore and venture outside of ourselves, we will learn new things almost by habit. Like you say, you're a continuous adult learner. Those of us who value our security and safety will not necessarily reach out to learn new things. And the difference between these two may not yet may not quite be age. I think you'll find this same difference when these people were younger. They were they had a harder time stepping out of their comfort zone. And you know and so as we get older, we seek our comfort zone a little bit more for security reasons or whatever have you. And these characteristics grow stronger and stronger. But there are the adventurous type that were adventurous when they're young and adventurous when they're old. You may be speaking to one of them right now. <laughs> that, that um, yeah. So I'm suspecting that what we see in older people about not wanting to try new things could be coming from someplace else other than their age. And for our assignment that they're old, they're not going to change their ways. Do you think that we could be victims of a stereotype when we say that? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think people, uh, if people are adventurous and uh, are okay with taking risks, I think they're going to continue to do that regardless of how old they are. And, and people that are, um, I don't know, stuck in their ways or whatever – I think mm-hmm. they're going to continue to do that regardless of whatever age they are. So I think I think you're right. I, I don't think it really necessarily has to do with age when it comes to that. However, if someone that's my age sees repeatedly mm. or just happens to run into people that are older with the same mantra, it is mm. it is easy to put them in or or to come up with some type of a, a general uh, stereotype that uh, it's easy to say that blanket statement. Um, old people don't like to um, come up yes. to speed and and uh, and learn new things. Um, yes. And it may not be their age; it just may be their attitude. But it's it's just you know it's one of those things where. If it, you know, if it looks like a duck, quacks like yeah. a duck, right? talks like well, like, Mia, if if I'm beaten up by twenty year olds, then I might I might end up being fearful of twenty year olds, right, um, right? And so, you know, our experiences count for a lot for what we think. And if you've run across these type of people who are much older than you saying the same things, it's very easy to categorize them with a with a characteristic that's rather obvious, their age mm-hmm. or, or their race or, you know, religion is much less obvious, and, of course. And but, I, yeah. I will tell you too, Lee, and, and, and this is, this is coming, this is pure, pure honesty. Um, I, I worked um, at a company um, and I was doing a good deal of hiring. Uh, I was a, a hiring manager and I was doing a lot of uh, um, review, uh, resume reviews and a lot of interviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know as well as I do, right, that uh, yep. that we, you know, companies do not discriminate against, you not know. Not officially. Uh, right. Not officially <laughs> uh, discriminate mm-hmm. against sex, age, 
religion, religion yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, but to be honest with you, um, age, not necessarily age, but um, the, uh, let's just put it this way. I, I, inv- I interviewed several individuals that were, um, let's say, beyond their um, mean earning potential at, at a company, uh-huh. right? And mm-hmm. and it was for jobs that were semi-technical in, in terms of, mm. of needing to understand computers and technology and software, et cetera. Yep. Um, yep. And, and I didn't discriminate because of age, but I did ask questions that exposed whether or not they were comfortable with technology and using mm-hmm. new technology, right? Well, you should do that. You're in a position of hiring yes. these skills. So there's nothing, I mean, you need to assess a person's comfort in embracing new skills. Right. But the, where that tends to go wrong is making an assumption before you've ascertained the person's comfort. That's correct. You can, yeah. And so that's where that, that, that need can go wrong. So you're 65 years old. I'm already going to judge that you can't learn new skills. That's that's incorrect. You know, you may have participated in that kind of thinking, but I'm your friend now. You <laughs> you can, <laughs> you know, like if if you did, it was unconscious or part of the culture that you're in. You know, you have an ability to know better at this point in time. We're all victims to our cultural stereotypes. Mm. Me, you, you know, but it's. As we become aware of one stereotype, we become conscious of other stereotypes that we are um, we, that is affecting us. Sure. I've I've heard you expose your own thinking along these lines. One of the reasons why you've impressed me because you seem fairly self aware about what you think, and I've watched you to quote a phrase, change your point of view. Right, yes. So, so, and that's always, when a person can change his point of view, that's always an attractive element to me, which is one of the reasons why we have become friends. And I'm talking to you here, trying to explore your thinking. So don't feel bad if you have been victimized by the cultural stereotypes. Those, these are my words. You can hear my bias as well. Um, you know, if you've been you know, affected by the cultural stereotypes, it, the only thing that will free us from that is our own awareness that we are. And so, um, yeah, so don't feel bad if you have to admit that, yes, I, I discriminated against older people when I was a hiring manager. Oh, geez. (laughs) But, you know, as we learn who we are, what we are, how we are, we can all do better. Mm. We can all do better. Now, um, these these stereotypes that are around us, you were talking about some stereotypes that affected you when you were working as a hiring manager and even on your job. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me from where I am now, Ed, to understand what stereotypes have any truth to them and what or if they have any basis at all for being for existing other than people's own opinions, you know. Are older people truly set in their ways? For example, yeah, are old is aging automatically bringing physical and mental problems? Is Alzheimer's inevitable? Are these really true facts that we can count on? Yeah, my own instinct says no. Yeah, but am I correct? Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I fight against these type of stereotypes and try to explore them to see the truth behind them, if any, and to accept the truth if there is there, but to rebel against them if they're not true. This is part of what the inner game of aging is all about. Yeah. So the, um, the truth behind these stereotypes needs lots of research, but a lot of research is being done already. The older brain is thought to be much more efficient at determining a lot of things. But again, we have to point to the fact that a person who is used to using his brain will grow up until the day he dies. Mm. A person who has stopped using his brain, stopped growing, is going to be limited in what he can do. And so, yeah, I, I think in general, Lee, I think we as a as a nation, as a country, we collectively, regardless of age, I think we all have a collective addiction, and I think we have a collective addiction to affliction. <laughs> I think you are because, right, <laughs> I, and I and, and I think it spans all. All ages, all demographics, it doesn't matter where you are. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly believe we have an addiction to affliction because every veteran I know suffers from PTSD, right? How that ha how that how that happens I have I have no idea but that just seems to be the, the way that it is. Every Vietnam veteran suffers from Agent Orange. How that is I don't know but it seems like that's the way that it is. Everyone suffers from, you know, ADHD. Every child in America has ADHD, right? Everyone, all of them. Every kid is on some that's kind right. of medication for ADHD. It's mm. you know every so it's just like the list of ailments uh, that we latch onto, that we associate with, that we um, they are identify ourselves with, identify <laughs> with, right? Um, we mm. have an addiction to affliction, and I think if we finally choose to let go of being addicted to those afflictions, we can become whoever it is we choose and want to be. And we that's interesting, and, and we're not stuck being whoever everyone thinks we should or ought to be. I, I most certainly agree with you. But I want to describe to you something that another author has called the inner kill. His name is Richard Leader. And I know him on Twitter. He wrote a book called The Inner Kill. And he defines the inner kill in the following way. It's a, the inner kill happens to us as we get older and older. And this is his definition of the inner kill. He says... The inner kill is not growing, giving up on yourself. It's taking the safe way, always covering yourself instead of taking risks. It's reacting, not thinking. It's giving up control of your life to whatever or whoever is around you. The inner kill is the death of self-respect. Now, I, you know, I listened to him say that in his book and it resonated with me when I looked at many of my friends I'm in an older group than you are so my friends are older I looked at I resonated with that as I looked and identified the inner kill in many of my friends have I know you probably have never heard the inner kill but being described in a way it has have you seen gotten glimpses of this inner kill in either people your age or older yeah, I think the inner kill, as you described it, really isn't about age. Um, I, mm -hmm. I really think it's just about 
Oh man, it's um, you know, I I I I don't know who said it, but uh, there's a quote that that's quote that's quoted quite often around in my circles anyway, and and it says that you are the sum of the five people you hang out with the most. That's right. That's um, right. And and, and there's so much truth about that because. People that are buzzkill or um, don't like to take risks or make memories or do anything that challenges them, whether it's challenging mentally or physically or whatever, um, those individuals tend to be just extremely unhappy uh, with themselves. Mm -hmm. They're always unhappy with those around them. Uh, they're just they're the, the the inner kill, right? And and, and yes. I've had I've had friends like that before in my life, and it got to the point where it was it was so taxing, just an emotional emotionally draining to have them in and around my life. That I just made the, the decision that uh, although I love them dearly, it, they weren't worth the um, the emotional strain it was putting on me, and so giving up people like that in your life and welcoming other people that are more aligned to the non-inner kill attitude yep. is, yep. is mm -hmm. really what you need. I think that's a lot of reasons why you and I are in the same mastermind group together. We, that's right. We, that's we hang right. around with the, the folks that we hang around with is because we want to be challenged. We want to to grow and expand and 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 sometimes we need other people around to bring that out in us because that's right. There's only so much that's we right. can do ourselves. Right. Um, Absolutely. I have, Absolutely. I have people in my life that I use as accountability partners. I, I, I mm -hmm. commit things to, and then they check up on me and say, how, how is this going? Are you following through mm -hmm. with that? And if not, why not? Right. And, um, mm -hmm. and so I, without reading the book or getting too into too much detail about what that really is supposed to mean, that's, what I interpreted it to be, and that's what it means to me. Now, the I agree with you, Ed, that there are people of all ages, from 20 to 80, who can be afflicted by this inner kill phenomenon. Mm -hmm. uh, so I most certainly agree with you. Do you think that this inner kill phenomenon, as being described, can gradually creep up on a person as he ages? For example, in... Your age, there's no evidence or very little evidence of an inner kill. By the time you're 65, 70, can it creep into a person in some way, you know, based on what he does with himself, his thinking, and the culture he's in? Is this a possibility? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I honestly think that my biggest fear in life is, me is mm. mediocrity. Right. Yeah, I too, at my advanced years of sixty-six, I am very, very fearful of mediocrity, mm -hmm. and so um, I believe you and I share that in common. Uh, I'm always struggling to be better. This concept of better that I have fuels my entire life, from my athletics to you know everything I do. I always have to be better. Mm. I don't have to be the best, but I have to be better than what, what I was before. Sure. That's my only measure. Yeah. So, um, but you know now, um, is there any truth in your opinion? Is there any truth to the statement: the older we get the more we know ourselves. 
Do you think there's any truth to that? Statement? Oh, I, I absolutely believe that that's the case, and because you know, I'm not. I'm only 40, but I know myself better at 40 than I did at 30, and then I and then I did it at 20, and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that if if I continue on this trend. That you know, at fifty and at sixty and at seventy, I, I think I'll continue to learn and to grow and and uh, uh, about myself, and and that's encouraging. But it also lets me know that I, I think it's. But unfortunately, it took me to forty to realize this, and that is, um, I, I'm I'm far more open to new ideas today than I was, you know, in my earlier years. Because in my earlier years, I. I knew what I knew, and I believed what I believed, <laughs> but I didn't know that I didn't know what I didn't know. And so, it's, exactly. And so now that I'm forty, and I know now that then I didn't know what I knew now, that uh. I am much more open to things that I know that I may not know. And so, a lot of the reasons why I really enjoy that was wonderfully expressed. I, I by know. The way. I, I don't, don't ask me to repeat it because I can't. But, but. Uh, but that's why I enjoy podcasting so much and uh, online business and meeting new people is because it opens the spectrum and the horizon of things that I never uh, knew. Ex- All right, so here's a, mm-hmm. here's a quick story for you, Lee. I, I sure. went to work one day, and there's this lady. Um, she she adopted this young. Um, well, she was a foster parent of of this young seven year old kid. Comes from a broken home, extremely distraught, uh, very angry young individual, and, and she was trying to find a way to connect with him, to get him to open up a little bit, to come out of his shell and 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 be a little bit more responsive and less angry, and and so one of the things that that she wanted to do because this is something that she did as a, as a child. Um, and that was this this thing called geocaching. I don't know if you've ever even. Oh yes, have you yes. heard of it? I've seen it. Yes, of course well, I, I have. I yes. haven't. And so she explained. Well, I'm older than you. I've heard of it. <laughs> so for the benefit of the listening audience, I'll just briefly explain what geocaching Please. is. So what it is is um, there's an app on on your phone, and it's on desktop as well. And what it does is it gives you grid coordinates to different locations all around the world, essentially. And there's hundreds and thousands, millions of geocache locations. And what happens is you, you can look up, you can type in like your city or a zip code wherever you're from, and it'll give you all these um, locations. And you can go follow the grid, punch the grid into your, phone, into your phone like a GPS, and you'll go to these mm-hmm. locations, and they're hidden spots. And you and maybe it's under a rock or, or underneath a brick mm-hmm. or stuck away inside a knot hole of a tree or or, uh, even in urban, like in like parking lots of like, you know, Target things like yep. that, and you op- and you find these little hidden caches, and you open them up, and oftentimes there's there could be tokens in there that you could take, and you could leave your own token, and there's a log book where you can like sign your name, and and then oh, yeah, and then you put it all back together, <laughs> and you can log it that you found it, and you can move on to the next one. Well, I had no idea. That this even existed, and I looked on, and I looked on my phone, and I looked on the computer, and sure enough, I mean, within within a three mile radius of my home, there's probably a hundred or more of these caches, right? And I just was on my way home that day, completely baffled that this entire world existed without me even being aware of it. And as I'm driving home that day. 
I look and, and I'm, I'm coming down the road towards my house and I see these two people older, uh, older than me, maybe in their 50s, and they're walking around and, and one of them has a phone and they're kind of moving the phone around like it's a compass. And I'm like, I'm like, what the – I'm like, are they geocaching? I'm like I, – I pulled over and I rolled my window down and I said, what, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're trying to find this cache. They were geocaching. And I was like, wow. And so – See, they're older than you doing this new thing. Well, what, what's what, – and, and the moral of the story is and the reason why I wanted to tell you it is – why was it that the day I discovered that geocaching existed, I found or I saw people that were actually doing it? They were probably – I probably saw hundreds of people walking around geocaching all my life, but I had yes. no idea that that even existed. So that wasn't even a possibility in my mind. But now That's that right. geocaching right. is real in my mind – and it actually – now that I know that it exists, then I can see it all around me. And it's an example of uh, look at yourself, right? Uh, exactly. What, what is, you know, it's so, it's so strange. After I bought my Mercedes, you know, the next day, everybody had a Mercedes. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, so really, it so, really begs the question. You can have your own perceptions about life, about age, about relationships, about health, about you name it, fill in the blank. You can mm. have your own perceptions about it. But the question you have to ask yourself is, do you know everything there is to know about those perceptions? No. And if the answer is no. no, then you have to remain open to things and possibilities that you may not be aware of. Now, that's a tremendous lesson, and many people don't learn that lesson so late in life. Some people learn it at 30. It doesn't usually happen before then, but some people don't learn it till after they're 50. And, you know, we often try to understand that there are things we don't know by the time we're 50, but that, that maturation of thought that you just mentioned, to understand that there are things that we cannot see, even in any interpersonal situations, there are things there that we do not know, that's a level of awareness that comes upon a person that really affects how he sees things and takes your work, change your point of view, you know, change your POV, really puts a highlight on the work that you were doing in trying to help people to understand how important a change of perspective mm -hmm. is. So um, uh, one last question for you. This one goes kind of in depth a little bit. As you know, my message uh, for my business is growing older, not old. Now, that may mean different things to different people. And many people can benefit from this sort of me message. And I've met quite a few who are encouraging me and who can benefit from this. My question to you, Ed, is at 40 years old, how there are those of, that are in your group who are already aging poorly. How do I extend my message? What do I do to get them to see that it's their choices that is contributing to an older visage, to an older being? How do I influence and spread the message of older, not old, to people of your age? Well, uh, I you know, again, this is a gen is a generalized answer, and, and I'll do the best I mm -hmm. can with trying to capture sure, my demographic. I, I'm but, appreciating it. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people at my age 
aren't even really considering the effects that what they're doing today is going to have on them 20, 30 years from now. Um, mm. I think people my age are are obviously conscious of age, um, but I I think that you know a lot of people nowadays live in this. You know, I've got one life to live, and I'm going to live it however the hell I want to, come hell or high water, and I don't really care what happens. And, and if I destroy my body and whatever, then I don't care. And it's like, okay, you could say that now, <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, when you're when you're 60 and you're living on medications and you can barely walk, you might you might think mm-hmm. twice about the way you're living today. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of people, Lee, have to come to their own realization of their own aging process on their own terms on their own time uh we can Mm -hmm. certainly kick the message out there and offer the information uh but trying to get people to understand what it is that you're doing is going to have a lasting effect on them um yeah i think it's a i think it's a personal i think it's a very personal thing for everyone and um yeah on my page, on my page, I have many examples of older people doing things that you wouldn't expect older people to do, and I have that on my Facebook page. It's, I f- I sprinkle that around my entire mm. life. You know, um, the eighty-two-year-old triathlete. Um, you know, a, you know the. 85-year-old starting a new business, and, you know, um, the photographer who travels around the world at 75, climbing mountains, taking wonderful pictures. I have many, many examples of this, um, you know, sprinkled all around my environment. Do these have any effect on people your age to inspire them to, 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 to go toward a different elder year or second half of their life than they would normally? Do these have any effect on people? Well, let me ask you, I'm going to answer that with a question, and that is, in your experience, those those examples, Examples? do you see people that are, do you see those examples have more of an effect on people that are older or people that are younger? So, so... Let, uh, let me say it again. Yeah, so, go so, on, rephrase. So, it. Yeah, sure. All right. So you got those things on your website, right? The you know the eighty year old mm-hmm. pilots and you know starting little business, all of those things. Do you see mm-hmm. that people that are eighty that see those things are more shocked by them, or people that are forty that see those things that are shocked by them? Who's the who's more shocked by those feats? People that are eighty or people that are forty? Good question, Ed. I don't know. I believe. You can get a variety mm-hmm. of responses. A person 80-year-old seeing this he said, might say to himself, that could have been me, you know, but it's too mm-hmm. late now. Um, a person, you know, he can also say, well, I still have life left into me. I can't do that, but let's see what else I can do. I can see both of those responses from an 80-year-old, but I can also see – Point, you know, both those responses from a 40 year old. You know, fat chance I'm going to be doing something like that at 80. You know, or if that's what 80 could be like, I may want to head there. So the response may not be age related. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was just wondering how do I construct the message that could reach the younger people so that they age, they set. They start to pay attention to how they're aging and their own attitudes and their own lifestyles so that they, too, look forward to a healthy, active, older yeah, years. Yeah, so what's the, what's yeah, the name so. of that one lady, that 80-year-old bodybuilder, you know what I'm talking about? 
Oh, yeah. Ernestine Shepard, that's okay. what her name is. Ernestine, Ernestine so Shepard. Okay. When people my age, or let's just take me for example, when I look at Ernestine and I see like a YouTube video with her lifting weights or whatever and I see how old she mm-hmm. is, in my mind I'm thinking, wow, good for her. I'm not thinking, wow, I hope I can do that when I'm that age. Um, and and I, that's just me. Perhaps other 40-year-olds mm-hmm. would look at her and say, Wow, I hope I can do that at that age. But my my gut tells me that most people my age or younger than me will look at these mm-hmm. feats done by older people and and not have the self awareness enough to uh to to visualize themselves in that position. Does that does that make sense? Mm. Like, yes, it like does. It most I certainly cannot, does. I cannot visualize myself in a nursing home. I I can't. <laughs> right. I just I, yeah. I know that yeah. that's obviously a, a potential possibility at some point. Right. Of but course. I, but yeah. I, likewise, I can't see myself at eighty. You know, squatting. You know, two hundred pounds either. So so, <laughs> I I know age is coming. I know I'm gonna get older. Um, but I don't dwell on it. Because I know yeah. that you're too busy living your life well, for one. <laughs> I think I have it now. Here's the thing, and this is why it's it, me answering this question may be very different than most people my age. Because I had a firsthand look into combat, and I, ah, I yes. saw firsthand one how resilient the human body can be, and on the other hand how fragile human life can be. I've seen that. I've seen both Mm. cases. And I know that in a blink of an eye, in a single instant, um, and you know from your motorcycle accident, and and I've seen it, it can happen just like that. that. And so I don't, instead of thinking about trying to live a good life at 80, I try to say, how can I live the best life I can now? When I say best life, I'm not talking like, you know, I've got one life to live and I'm going to live it however the hell I want to. I'm talking like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I want to, you know, be healthy and and keep my mind active and, you know, be a good father and a husband and strive at my business or whatever it is I'm doing. And I think if I continue to do that and push myself, then when I find back, when I finally turn back and I and I see myself at eighty, looking back at myself in the mirror, I I will be a better man for the decisions that I'm Absolutely. making today. I think you hit us. I think you hit a secret. You know, when you gave that last answer, it is we live each we live our lives moment by moment, and that's it's the moments that build up our lives. If we live our life worried about the future and becoming anxious or regretting our past, we compromise every moment that we live. And, you know, your answer shows that, you know, why concern yourself with being able to do handstands at 70 when you are in the middle of something that you're enjoying or engrossed in or involved in or contributing to Mm. in the moment? And I believe that that is one of the ingredients of a long life, being able to take each moment, having something to work for in each moment, and to look forward to the results of that work 
to anticipate your future, well, your future is coming moment by moment. And to ignore those moments is not the best way to live that could shorten your life. Yeah. So I believe there's a hidden secret in your answer. I'm glad I asked it. It wasn't the answer I expected. I was expecting something a bit more. <laughs> but, but I believe that you've exposed a secret in your answer. It is the moments we live our lives that make our life what it is. A long life filled with valuable moments like that is what we all strive for not necessarily to live a long life for a long life's mm-hmm. sake you know, um, and so now you know like I at the same veterans group that I was at last night, uh, last night they forced me now that's a strange word to use in this context they forced me to show off my handstands <laughs> and so um, and it was interesting. I had many people say that is truly inspiring that I could do that at my age. I don't really know what they're saying there. Are they accepting the fact that they can't? Are they dividing or making a division between me and them? Are they aspiring to anything better for themselves because they see examples? It's hard for me to straighten out this that kind of response that I get because I'm still kind of new at trying to deliver the message that I've been delivering. So um, it's, it's by way of analysis of the response I get from delivering this message that I ask these questions mm-hmm. of you, Ed. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up here now. Um, it's been a pleasure always speaking to you. You are so much like me. It's ridiculous. I'm, I'm taller. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are other distinctions we can mention as well. <laughs> I, I figured I'd stick with that one. I'm afraid most people in this world have that over me. <laughs> so, anyway, my friend, I will speak to you. I'll have some elements in the, of this conversation on the show notes page that people can refer to. Until then, until I speak with you next, All right, take care of yourself, my friend. And there you have it, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. But more importantly, I hope you were able to gather a few useful insights from listening in. I must say that Ed is a delightful and helpful guy, and it is always such a pleasure to speak with him. Stop over at the show notes page for this episode. You will find links of things that we've mentioned in our chat today. And you can find the show notes page for this episode at innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA12. And oh, by the way, if you are a younger person, say 45 or under, why not share your thoughts on some of the questions that Ed and I have explored today? You can do so by leaving a comment or two at the bottom of the show notes page URL that I just gave you. You can also email me directly using the following email address, lee at innergameofaging.com. I look forward to reading each and every email sent from this audience. So, until next time... Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lee Mo Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. 
That's the inner game of aging, no spaces.com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old. 